Welcome to another episode of Live It Well. I hope you've been well. Hope you're living your life to the fullest. And this week, I have a wonderful guest lined up for you. A person that I've known for, we don't even remember when we actually met, but it's been a long time. And so uh, I wanted to bring her on just because she has such an approach to life that I think we could all learn something from. And in today's world, having a positive approach is few and far between, and she exudes that. She has overcome two, kind of one, two crazy situations in life, and I'm not going to spill those beans. I want her to talk about them, but we talked about them both. We talk about the heavy stuff at the start, so be prepared, and then we end with some really funny just approaches to life and how we get through it, and, and yeah, you're just going to love it. I know you are, so... Um, I'm so pleased that Allison was able to join and we were able to work the schedules out because she just she's going to have some lessons in here. And, and at the end, I unpacked them a little bit because there was a, there was a lot of juice there towards the end. So um, please do sit back, prepare yourself for about 45 minutes of a wonderful conversation between me and my friend Allison. Allison, it is so great to finally um, welcome you to the Live It Well podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to get to connect with you today. And uh, we've known each other um, off and on kind of for the last 10 or 12 years. Thankfully for you know the world of social media, we're able to stay in, in touch with all these people who we normally would just be like, oh, we met you one time and that was that. Right. Um, and I wanted you here cause you've just had a, we were talking before we hit record that it's been kind of a, a hell of a decade for you. Um, and, and there's really three areas that I want to touch on that I think are really impactful and powerful and kind of tell your story. But, um, let's start with the most recent stuff. You, uh, it's 2020, so about a year and a half now you were diagnosed with MS. Right. Talk, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it was... Oh, it was such a blow because I felt like I finally rebuilt from all the other stuff, you know, that we'll get to. But, um, I mean, it was very, a very traumatic diagnosis and it came on really almost out of nowhere. A lot of people who are diagnosed with MS have symptoms for years and chase a diagnosis. And I literally woke up one day with no feeling in my hands and couldn't figure out what was wrong and you know, within just like a month or two, all of a sudden had all this knowledge that I had all these brain lesions and spinal cord lesions and the MS was, you know, here and it was intense and a severe case and it was just a very jarring thing to go through. So when you say you, you woke up with your hands and they were asleep, is that like what would happen to, to me when I'm in bed and I sleep and my arm and my hand like goes to sleep or is that like literally you can't feel your hand? So it's exactly like what happens to you. So I, I woke up and I, you know, both of my hands were asleep. So I shook them out and they just wouldn't wake up. And that's a really weird thing because, you know, they always wake up, right? Like you just slept funny. It'll go away in a minute or two or five, certainly, but they just wouldn't wake up. And then that went on for hours and then days and then weeks. And then it had been a month or two, and then we kind of had to spiral into starting to look for what was going on. But at the end of the day, it's been 18 months, and they're still asleep and will likely stay asleep 
um, you know, barring scientific advances or miracles, uh, most likely for the rest of my life. But, you know, there's always room for things to change. And I think that research is happening really fast, which is awesome. But yeah, for the most part, they're just always asleep. And so is it, is it painful at that point or is it just, are you able to, is there like a cocktail of drugs that help at least reduce? Cause like for me, when that happens, like it is not a comfortable thing, you know? So like, what is it like? Yeah, it's, it's extremely painful. It's gotten a little bit better in that there are some medications that help a little. Um, and the first six months I didn't have any meds. And at that point, the pain and the function, the pain was so high that I couldn't hardly do anything. Like I had to have my partner help me like wash my hair or, you know, open a new bottle of orange juice or anything that required any strength. Once I started meds, I got back a lot of that strength, but they do still hurt all the time. And then just for for fun, I have the same problem in my left leg about 50% of the time or in my right leg, excuse me. So I, you know, I have, I have three or four limbs that are, asleep either all of the time or some of the time <laughs> and was this did it did, did ms run in your family at all or is this just completely out of the blue okay completely out of the blue first and only <laughs> um one thing i, I want to uh, you in the messages you and i sent back and forth you said something that was really um kind of caught my attention in terms of how you approach ms because clearly it's it is a life-altering ailment disease um but you said i give ms as much attention as it requires me to live my life and i thought that was like that was that was kind of a yeah that's the right way to approach it now how did you get to that point um well because i really just couldn't imagine a life that was consumed for the rest of it by this disease and i didn't want that to be what people know about me like when someone thinks about me I want them to think of you know my joy and my happiness and my silliness and my like love of Taylor Swift (laughs) music and they'll break into dancing at any time I don't want them to be like oh that's like Allison her MS is really terrible that's so sad like I don't want that to be the story of my life and ultimately, you know, I I could lose my whole life. I could lose the rest of it down a rabbit hole of worrying about what else could go wrong. Um, And some of those things might happen in my life, but they might not. There's just no way to know. So what I can do to control my MS is take my medication every single day, which I do. And all of our friends and family know when I take it because alarms go off on my phone and in our house, with like <laughs> the Amazon Alexa and all of that. Like everything sings at 9.30 p.m. when I take my drugs. And, you know, I do use a cane when I'm out and about walking for the most part these days. But that's the amount of ten- attention it takes to stay controlled. And, and that's it. And so I don't like to give it any more than that, because I have other things I want to do with my life that I am doing with my life. And um, that's just really important to me. I and mean, the other thing that became really important to me was to only talk about MS in what I call true facts only. So I like to say things like, you know, my hands are asleep or I don't have full feeling in my hands, but not things like my hands don't work. Or, you know, my hands are garbage or those like judgmentally loaded statements that we can often use when we're angry because, 
you know, my body, there's like a lot of things it really just can't do very well. But there are other things that it still does just fine. And at the end of the day, I'm still waking up and breathing and my heart's beating and I, I still get to be here. So I want to focus on that and just only use like, again, like really true statements instead of that judgmentally loaded stuff because that's what could send me down that spiral of like, oh, my whole body is broken and it's all terrible and blah. And, you know, right now in the pandemic, because I am immunocompromised, I'm seeing a lot of other people I know that are immunocompromised really falling into that. Like, I'm so at risk. This is so terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm still just kind of like, because of the pandemic, it's taking a little more attention. Like I have to really stay in and make sure someone else gets my groceries sure. because I'm not going to go out and that sort of thing. So it takes more attention than it did before, but I still only want to give it what requires and no more. Yeah. Was that, did that come right away? Like when you got your diagnosis, it was just kind of, okay, I've got this now and we're going to deal with it, but I still, I'm still going to be me or did it take weeks, months? Like what was that process like for you? Um, it definitely still took a while, but it's really because I, I needed to grieve and that's, that's just part of, you know, the process. And, um, I really just had to manage that. And I've learned some of how to do that before. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that because I was widowed when I was way too young for that to happen, but it really was a matter of like grieving what I felt like I was losing and, coming to terms with that and then also finding new ways to do the things I loved. Like I love to make art and I'm a writer. And in the beginning it was really painful for me to do those things. And so I had to kind of find ways to work around those things. And once I did that, that started to shift. But ultimately I think it really came down to even if I was in the kind of what I'll call darker period, I still knew I didn't want to be and that I was gonna, not going to stay there. And I always yeah. think it takes a decision to decide to live well. That's a perfect way of, of uh, saying that, you know, embracing kind of the cards you've been dealt and just kind of rolling with that punch and, and not letting that consume you. So um, well, I'm going to use that kind of as a perfect breaking point because I want to touch on what you alluded to becoming a widow. Um, and we will do that right after this break. Have you been looking for the next best clothing brand? I found it for you. It's Bruck & Co. Their designs are awesome. Their clothes fits great. They feel good. They look good. And best yet, you can go from the gym, go to dinner, play with the kids, go to the barbecue. They're, util they're utilitarian and they work everywhere for any occasion. Check them out. BruckAndCo.com. That's B-R-U-C-K and C-O.com to check out their designs, check out their shirts, their other products. I love them. I wear them. I'm proud to support them on this podcast. And for you, our loyal listeners, we have a discount just for you. If you go visit them at bruckandco.com and use the code LIVEITWELL, L-I-V-E-I-T-W-E-L-L, -L, just like it sounds, Live It Well, you'll get 10% off your next purchase. Again, so proud to endorse them. Love their gear. Love their designs. They're modern. They're fun. They're different. You're not going to see them anywhere else. Check them out. Bruckandco.com. Use the code LIVEITWELL for 10% off. And thank you so much for listening to this show.
So two years, almost two years uh, to the month of your MS diagnosis, you became a widow. Um, much too young, like you said. I remember when you posted that online, and I was like, "What the hell? Like, how? What? You know?" I I had all these questions, um, yeah. and I'm sure you did too. Um, if you don't mind, what happened? Sure. So um, it was actually so it's been eight years now, or it will be eight in June. Um, and so what unfortunately happened was, um, you know, he, he died by suicide and there was, there was no warning. Like I want to say that I had all these signs that I could have seen or, or this or that, but he himself was a therapist. And so, um, he, he knew what people would see. Um, like he was a substance abuse counselor, and so he knew what people would look for as signs of that he might be slipping or dealing with something, and all of that was very hidden. So everyone was incredibly blindsided, myself, his, our friends, his family, his coworkers. Um, but literally, uh, I mean, we were we were trying to start a family, and I remember waking up on a Monday and being like, oh, you know, like, I'm ovulating. This is great. And like the very next day he was gone. Like I'd been in such a great, happy, joyful place in my life with him. And, um, it was just really intense to have everything end so suddenly. And then of course, you know, as you mentioned, like I posted that on Facebook when it happened and everyone was like, what the heck? And I was like, why well, the same question, <laughs> you know? And, and, um, you know, it was, it's it's easier for me to talk about now because it's been such you know a longer time since it happened but it really was you know just just the worst thing you can imagine because I've lost this person um uh, who I was building my life with I've also now lost all of our hopes and dreams for the future and you know I literally just felt like everything was gone and I just was kind of standing there being like well what what's my life going to be now? What, yeah, what you now, know? yeah. Um, because I was, I was 31, he was 32, and, like, how do you how do you navigate that? And, you know, and then people being like, well, you're too young to be a widow. Oh, well, sorry. Well, thanks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, did you, you kind of alluded to that, like, how did you kind of weather that storm, um, and come through the other side. Was it the did you already have that same mindset that you've now used with the whole MS um situation or was that something you built through through this? I mean, yes and no. I still think it just like I had to make a decision that I wasn't going to stay in it forever. And I had decided many years prior to that that I wanted to live to be at least 90 years old because I remember my great aunt saying one day I want to live to be 90 and I was like that sounds like a good target so you know I remember thinking at the time you know I'm 31 so if I get stuck by this forever I'm going to lose two-thirds of my life yep and that that didn't feel okay so I had no idea what anything was going to look like, but I knew I had to find a way to be okay. And so ultimately in the beginning, that just started by just deciding that and that I was going to still show up and feel my feelings and do what I have to do. So, you know, yeah, I cried every day. It was terrible. It was terrible. Of course it was terrible. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I, I often feel like I can't, there's like no way for me to verbally explain how terrible it was, you know, just to have 
everything rocked. But I I also just every day kind of woke up and, you know, I had a beagle. But she's very loud and needy. So she made <laughs> sure I got out of bed and fed her and got her outside. And so that was helpful. And then I just you know, one of the things that happened is I realized I had lost my identity in my marriage. And so I had really become, you know, his wife instead of who I was. So I was kind of went on this little quest to figure out who I was. So I started doing everything. Like I went to to hockey games and sporting events, <laughs> you know, and I went to art classes and I went to play by myself and signed up to paint sets of community theater. And I, you know, went to just, just everywhere. I went to restaurants alone. I went to museums. Like I just kind of was like, what do I, what do I even like? Because I'd spent yeah. my whole adult life with him. I didn't even know, you know, and then I just kind of started, um, I really found my a lot of my healing through art and painting and art journaling and which is basically what it sounds like it's keeping a journal where you put art in it as well as words. Um and then that's kind of when I started to find my way back, but I really kind of dove in head first into my own healing. Um and was just like I'm going to figure out what I want to make out of my life and we'll see what happens. And it sounds very like you know, brave and adventurous. And in, in some ways, I think it absolutely was, but it was also kind of exhausting. But, um, <laughs> you know, I also just felt like I couldn't, I just remember thinking I didn't want to, like, go down with him. You know, yeah. like, I, I had to, like, find my own life now. And there was also a bit of liberation in that I really felt like the worst day of my life was now over. So if I got through that, I can kind of get through anything. Yeah. Um, and I've lived that motto ever since, which is, I think, why when the MS came, I got so angry. Cause I was like, <laughs> You're like, but, I already but, did this. <laughs> like, come on, people. Um, <laughs> you know, and even I remember when we called family and friends to tell them about the MS, they were like, you again? It's always you. Why is it always you? And I was like, oh, you know, well, you can always count on me to, you know, every couple of years, jump in with some new traumatic information. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, at the same time, um, I don't want to say that's fine because it's certainly not fine, but um, I've learned a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to learn until they're much older. And I am yeah. very grateful for that. And um, even though, you know, life decided to, to test my patience a bit with, my my worst my worst day is over theory i still think that's true and so um i've just gotten a little less uh i feel like i used to taunt the universe sometimes like what else you got now i'm kind of like i'm good (laughs) (laughs) so you've been you've been with your current your current partner for a number of years um how have you now like you had your your first your first marriage obviously um how are you different this time around would you say Oh, that's such a great question. Um, well, you know what's interesting is there's really just very little fighting um, because Isn't that I, great? I, didn't, I, I didn't really fight with my my first husband that much, but there's just a really profound sense of what's important and what's not. And yep. so I don't, I you know, a lot of times people can get into these squabbles about 
things that aren't important. And I just have this sense of that I know really strongly what that is. And um, he was also previously married, and so he kind of shares that that attitude. So it's really nice to be able to just um, exist peacefully, and and we really only worry about the big stuff. And, and that still happens, but. Um, I would say that's that's the biggest part and just really trying to focus on, you know, I'm just much more grateful this time around and I don't take anything for granted. Um, and the further away I get from that trauma, the easier it is to, like, lose sight of that and fall back into old stuff. But I really feel like overall I'm just so much more grateful and aware of of how great it is to be in love and how much I love being in love. And I also, you know, wouldn't trade, wouldn't trade my first love either. So, and I I think that, you know, there's an inherent feeling that some people see with me that like, Oh, it's, it's, it was so sad that that she lost him. And, And it was, but it's also like, you know, to get to have the love of your life more than once is kind of cool too. Kind of cool, yeah. Um, so you taught you you mentioned a little bit that you um, are into writing and art and art journaling. Um, was that something you were always interested in, or did that come from kind of this this self exploration as a as a thirty one year old? I mean, I would say it was a little bit of both, right? So. Um, I had been like a scrapbooker and I had done a lot of more what I'd call crafting with a very specific end result in mind, like copying a project I saw online or things like that. And as a kid, I was certainly always writing and very crafty, but it was the loss that turned that into a lifeline. And it was the loss and the self-exploration that made me think about like, creating different kinds of things and being willing to create in the darkness and create through the darkness and what does that look like and what needs to come out of me to be expressed because I think that there can be a misconception that living a great life or a joyful life means living an easy life which is not the case because life isn't easy for anyone and um, and also that it can mean you know that kind of what I'll call the the toxic positivity movement of like good vibes only and things like that. And I mean, I have a shirt that says that it's fine. But, you know, <laughs> like I really feel like it's so important to feel what you need to feel, you know, and, and honor those emotions as they move through you instead of pushing them down. But I really used art to let some of that come out and play, especially because, um, there wasn't anyone in my life that could understand what I was possibly going through. Sure. Um, I mean, that's the thing is, um, you know, whereas I found other people who have MS and that sort of thing, I just didn't know anyone else who had lost a spouse, certainly to those circumstances. And even in my own family, you know, we'd, we'd been very lucky in a lot of ways. There hadn't been a ton of, a ton of loss. And so, um, certainly not a ton of traumatic loss. Um, you know, not, not immune completely, but it was really just a journey I had to walk by myself. And that was an Mm -hmm. interesting thing that I remember my mom saying is because people still come to her now and say like, oh, you know, my child just went through this, et cetera. Like, how did you help Allison? And my mom says at the end of the day, she had to do it by herself. 
Mm-hmm. Like it didn't matter how many times I called or showed up or tried to to fix things. Like as a parent, I really just had to watch her take her own steps on this one. And so Art we kind of became my, my best friend. And I had a lot of people that gave me a lot of emotional support. But, um, you know, Art was where I found my refuge and where I ultimately realized, you know, I think it's so important to have strong relationships and, and rely on other people. But at the end of the day, it's so important that we have a foundation of like loving and really trusting ourselves because, you know, the only person who can be there a hundred percent of the time for Allison is Allison. Like I get me for my whole life every single day. And so that needs to be really strong. Uh, It's so interesting that the way you said um, the idea of, allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling because so I've got a, an almost one and a half year old now, which is crazy to even think about. And so right. like when she has a temper, ta- when she has a, when she has a temper tantrum or is just angry, like she doesn't, some, she may know why she's angry, but she may just, what I'm trying to remind myself in those moments when it's frustrating for me, when she's throwing her food on the floor, it's like, okay, she's feeling something. She doesn't know how to express it. This isn't about me. Like right. making sure that like I tell myself that it's okay for her to feel whatever she's feeling. Cause we want to have, we want to build her up in this environment of, it's okay to, to, to feel and express those feelings and there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it, but and we'll get to that point. <laughs> but like just reminding myself of that um, with a, with a little one is hard because I've gone through this, through this stuff, you know, but um, it's so important to, to have that approach. Yeah. And it's funny because I do think that with kids, like people expect them to conform to adult standards of behavior yeah. that, that they don't even themselves conform to. Like we try to tell other adults, it's okay to cry, but not children. <laughs> when children right. have no skills to manage <laughs> themselves yet, it's really kind of ridiculous. So I mean, I, I get it. When you're, when you're in the cookie you aisle, know. it is hard <laughs> choices. I get it. So, so. right. <laughs> The other thing you mentioned, um, right, that I wanted to to touch on, um, uh, and I wrote it down here so I wouldn't wouldn't forget it, Um, how, as adults, like, we do get programmed to perform, to act, to respond in certain ways. How can, what would be your advice to people to um, make sure that they are their own cheerleaders, that they they do? They they are their there's a ter- no no good way for me to say this but like they are the head coach of their own life right instead of relying on everybody else like how do they do it for themselves? Well, I mean, I think you know it's going to sound so silly, but like really looking inward and trusting that gut feeling because everybody you know has opinions about how I should live my life. And that's true with MS, but boy, was that true after I got widowed, you know, whether it was when I should or shouldn't start dating again, whether or not I should move out of Iowa to another state, if I should keep my job or get a new job. I mean, every single decision I made, people had opinions about. And in some cases, they were very strong, angry opinions um, that, that actually ultimately cost me relationships when I didn't take that advice. And so what I think is really important is to remember that everyone's path in this life is really different. What works for someone doesn't always work for someone else. And everyone's calling is different and everyone's heart is different. And so things that are, you know, easy for me, are not easy for someone else and vice versa. And we accept that in personality traits, but when it comes to life and decisions, you know, 
it's easy to freak out. And I think it really becomes a muscle, honestly, that you have to kind of learn to like trust yourself. I remember really clearly um, after my husband died that I had called my mom and I told her like, oh, that I bought this new purse. And I was like, but don't worry, it was on sale and I had a coupon and then I had credit card points. So like at the end of this day, this like designer bag only cost me like this much money. And she was like, you don't have to justify this to me. And I was like, wait, what? Because I was on my own and, you know, I met my husband when I was, I mean, we were in college, but I'm going to say basically a child, right? So, right. Um, you know, I didn't, I justified everything to him every day of my adult life. So the idea that I, I didn't have to was astounding to me. And so then I started really actively seeking out situations in which I could make my own choices without other people's input. And I started really small doing that, like going to movies by myself, going to restaurants by myself, just just like doing things on my own and not letting other people weigh in. And then um, about eight or nine months after he passed away, I ended up going on a trip by myself to Kansas City. And I only told one person I was going because I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do when I got there. But I also felt like as a person traveling alone, like someone should know I'm Somebody not to know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. So I had one friend who knew where I was. But at the end of the day, I really just needed to practice making decisions for myself, whether it was you know, where to eat dinner or, you know, when I was on my vacation, I went to Kansas City and the Royals game got rained out and I had to decide if I was going to extend my trip to, you know, still see the game or if I was going to go home early. And that seems like such a little thing. But when I didn't, you know, I hadn't made any decisions by myself. I was like, what am I going to do? And the more I did that with little things, then I got really good at it with big things. And so then... You know, after a couple of years after I moved to Wisconsin, I decided to leave my day job to start my own business, and that freaked everyone out. And I still remember, you know, someone was, like, spouting all of their fears at me. And finally I said, you know what? At the end of the day, I know how to make good choices, and I have never let myself down. I always show up for me. And then they were like, you know what? That's true. So, okay. <laughs> like, I will back off. Um because I really think that it's, it's a courage muscle. And so we have to start with little things and we can build it up and practice and learn that at the end of the day, we can't please everyone. And, you know, you've got to follow your own heart. And sometimes that's hard to do and that's not always fun and people will have opinions, but their opinions are really about themselves. Um, that, and that's so amazing. Them. Yeah, that's so amazing what you said, because when I when I quit my job and sold all my stuff when I lived in Kansas City and moved to New York City everyone thought I was crazy and I remember my, remember my mom when I told her she was like well, what are you going to do about health insurance I was like I got to figure it out mom I, I got it like I'm, I'm good um, but I remember that very much it was it was it, it was a lot of you you can't you shouldn't do this what are you going to do about this and I'm like I'm an adult I can handle this you know um, that's so interesting well, it was just so, so funny because people would be like, well, what will happen if you fail? And then I was like, I'll get another job. Get, yeah, exactly. I, I, got, I got that. I, I know how to do that. <laughs> like, that part's not even hard. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so what, what if, you, if, you, if, you, if this is true, um, you said you tried a bunch of new things that you hadn't um, in that period, you know, going to the museum, going to the movie. Like, did you find, what did you find that 
you really love to do that you didn't know before? I think honestly, it would it would be a lot of it would be the painting and the art and why why it was different is I would say that though I enjoyed doing crafting before, I didn't know that I was actually an artist. Um, and you know, I always joke that if you ask a room full of kindergartners who's an artist, they'll all say they are. Um, and if you ask a room full of adults, none of them will say that they are. Um, and so it was kind of finding that, that part of me again. Um, so that was really powerful to reconnect with. And then the other thing, and this is going to sound so funny, is this is that I really love basketball. And I had thought I really loved football, and I thought I really loved NASCAR racing. So those are the sports <laughs> that I went to with him, and I've always loved sports. But I just, like, went to everything, and I was like, oh, it turns out basketball is my favorite. So there was just a lot of, like, little things like that that I was like, oh, that's interesting. And just um, a lot of it was finding my way back to, to things I loved as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, because especially as a teenager, that's when so many of our um, hopes and dreams start coming alive for us. And it was neat just to see that kind of stuff emerge. And I had a hard time letting go of of some of the other stuff. But I would say I was almost more surprised by what I found out I didn't like. Like, we used to go camping all the time. And then I went, like, oh, it turns out <laughs> this is not fun for me. I hate this, like, yeah. You know, I love being outside. But then I'm ready to, I, like, I just want to sleep on a bed. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, it was interesting to kind of really dive in and just formulate my own opinions without anybody else is getting in the way and that sounds like he was controlling or something and it wasn't that at all like we you know i was very happy when i was married to him i just loved him so much that i just went along for the ride and kind of quit paying attention to myself it's really easy to lose yourself when you love someone i mean i think a lot of people through that and i you know steve and i have a have a wonderful marriage and and there are times when i and that, that that i like specifically say you need to go in the kitchen and bake like because i know you love that and you haven't done it in six weeks like go in there and do it like i'll watch the kid all day you do you because i know that's important to you and so like just i think it's important for the significant other to recognize that too um making sure that you're empowering that person to do what you know that they love because life life happens even in good times like life happens you know um and and you can just forget to start doing keep doing those things so um uh, before we run out of time, I want to talk about the company you started when you moved, um, yeah. and find out what what's what that's all about. Determined to sh- determined to shine. What's give me the four one one? Sure. So I called it determined to shine because I really think that phrase kind of sums up my approach to life, which is that like life can be like kind of garbagey sometimes, like. I will turn 40 next year and I am so excited because my thirties have like, like I'm, I'm done with this. Like it's brought, <laughs> it's brought enough stuff, you know? And, but we can always kind of find that inner determination to like shine and show up for ourselves anyway. And so, um, it started because I, um, had found this method of using art and stuff to really heal myself. And I, I woke up one day and I started to really be overcome with the idea that I I needed to share this because one thing that I kept hearing over and over again after my husband died and especially as I began to rebuild my life was, oh, you're so inspiring. I'm so inspired by you. 
And then my favorite, like, I could never go through what you're going through. I was like, well, I didn't sign up. But, you know, you just, you just <laughs> handle what you're given. But what really kind of broke my heart in some ways was that there were all of these people, and I definitely noticed it most with women, but not exclusively by any means, that people really lack self-trust to the point that they see this, like, really difficult thing happen to someone, and they're like, I would not be able to manage that. Um and that somehow I was inspiring people just by existing and, like, trying. And I really wanted people to understand, like, that they, like, I, I really believe that, like, fire inside our human spirit to want something more for ourselves and want to live, you know, really joyfully and have a lot of things we can be excited about in our life and follow our passions. Like, I think that's in everyone. We've just, a lot of us have buried that. And so kind of urge got louder and louder to start talking more about that and really just empower people to find that for themselves. Like the first class I taught online was called be your own inspiration. Cause I was like, don't let me inspire you. Like inspire yourself. You know, what have you done in your life? What are the things you can draw on so that you can find your own strength? So um, I teach a lot of classes um, primarily online that focus that use this art approach um, to to find that strength, that healing, et cetera, and everything now, you know, from I have a whole bunch of classes out there now that are focused on all kinds of things, like trusting your intuition or setting goals and creating, you know, manifesting a life that you want to live, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, it started evolving. Uh, I had people starting to come to me, like, wanting more one-on-one -on -one advice or kind of therapy or coaching type work, and I had no idea how to manage that, so I – sought out training and became a certified life coach. And now that's probably the biggest part of my business is doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching with people who are in that struggle who have lost themselves and they're, you know, just feeling sad or feeling scared and not sure what that next step is. And it's really great because um, I can lay out a path for them instead of having to kind of navigate through the dark like I did. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I do live events a couple times a year, though our most recent one uh, got canceled because of pandemic. So we're now doing virtual online events, and that's been really powerful, too. So um, it really took on a life of its own. And it's, um, you know, I have I have clients and customers all over the world, which is just really fascinating and amazing to me. And um, I'm really grateful. I'm, you know, I wouldn't like wish my experience on, on anyone, but they turned my life upside down and all of this like beautiful stuff fell out. And <laughs> I love getting to lead people out of darkness because I mean, anyone who's been in that place where, you know, I always say, like, my goal is for people to wake up joyful because I feel like we've all had those times in our lives where every day when you wake up, you're like, oh, and there's this, like, feeling of, like, not again. Like, uh, how do I do this again? And, like, I just want everyone to, everyone in the whole world, my dream, to be able to wake <laughs> up and be like, ah, yes, I got another day. Yep. 100%. You know, because we don't. We just don't always get, we just don't know how many days we get. And so I just don't, I don't want to miss any of them. And I think that's such a good uh, way to, to not only approach 
personal, but also you, the relationships in your life, because you made a comment that, that you, you and your current partner don't fight much. There's always going to be disagreements and that's just the nature of life, but like we sure. don't fight either. And I, I don't right. know if it's because we just, we under, we, we, we have the same goals. So as long as we just maintain those and we understand that that's where we're going, then what's there to fight about? But we also understand that we're trying to do this together and we don't need to fight about it. We can, we can do it together. And we should, we should do it together. And, um, we're just happy to be on this journey together. And so, um, I think it's just, it, it's a personal approach and it's a relationship approach. It could be a professional approach too, you know? Yeah. Um, like no one's making you keep the job that you hate. So yeah, that one always surprised. That one always surprises me. Like when people hate their life and or like their work life and don't look for anything else. Um, yeah. Cause, cause you're, you know, you don't have to stay there. And yeah, I mean, you know, the real gift of my work is, you know, I had launched my company um, a couple years before I got MS. And had I not done that, my life would look really differently right now because yeah. I was up and running and I get to set my own schedule. And um, so I'm able to work and thrive because I can make adaptions by getting people to help with, you know, certain tasks and having a team in place. And I can... Um, I, I really have to take at least one nap a day to maintain my energy and I can do yep. that. Whereas if I was still in a, a nine to five job, I don't think my boss would have been, I mean, I had an amazing boss, but I don't think she would have been real excited if I was like, I need to sleep for two hours on <laughs> my time. desk every yeah. day, you know? And so, I mean, if, if I had stayed in that life, there's a decent chance I would have had to quit my job and like go on disability and, Instead, I got to do work that I love, that I really believe, you know, is needed and brings more light and joy into the world. And gosh, don't we need more of that all the time? And, you know, I get to do it in a way that allows me to take care of my body and do what I need. So I'm really glad that I did listen to myself when everyone around me was freaking yeah. out. No, that's perfect. And I, I, I think that timing was everything for you and your life. And, um, you've kind of just embraced embrace is probably the wrong word word, but you haven't shied from taking on the, the boulders that have come into your life. Yeah. And I think that's to me, like what I'm, what I'm taking away here. It's just not quitting. Um, so I ask, uh, every, um, guest for questions at the end. Um, and they're very, they're very quick and easy. So I don't think about them too hard. Um, but here we go. What is your hidden talent? My hidden talent. Oh, I can sing the alphabet song backwards. <laughs> I kind of want you to do it, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, plain cheese, uh, but it better be gluten-free. Okay. Uh, what song or artist is your go-to? Oh, it's Taylor Swift. I just, I still you know, don't answer that one. Yes. Well, there's something very powerful to me about someone who, you know, because of her status in the, the industry and the way that people have responded to her, anytime she does anything, literally a million people are going to hate her for it yep. and publicly criticize for her for it. And she does it anyway. And I love that. <laughs> uh, last question. What is your favorite word? My favorite word. Oh, it's so simple, but just love. 
That's awesome. That's perfect. Nothing wrong with that. I just love love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Allison, I so very much appreciate you jumping on and joining us. If people want to find you online, how do they do that? DeterminedToShine.net is the best way, and you can also find me on Facebook. We have a Facebook group as well that's very active, and there's lots of people in there. And I always say it's one of the safest places on Facebook. We have about 13,000 members, and I have only once in four years had to get rid of anyone for trolling. It's happened one time. (laughs) That's Um, awesome. It's like the most supportive (laughs) community of people who are just, who just want to be determined to shine. So I love that. So it is, yeah, it's determinedtoshine.net and got a free class and a bunch of other stuff there that people can dive right in or send me a message or whatever they want to do. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us and for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you. Did you know that the sixth leading cause of death in the United States is Alzheimer's disease? and that one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or other dementia, and it kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. I know times are tough, but I'm asking for your help. As the chair of the Iowa Board of Directors of the Alzheimer's Association for the next two years, I am working harder than ever to raise awareness and to raise funds to rid the world of Alzheimer's and all other dementias. And your money doesn't just go to research. It goes to care and support groups, which are free by the way. The 24-hour hotline, which is free by the way. To education and awareness programs in every community across the country. And it does go to research. The Alzheimer's Association is the third leading funder of research and the highest funder of research that is a non-governmental entity in the world. And they're making strides each and every day. So please, give it some thought If you're interested, please click the link in the show notes to donate to our Alzheimer's walk team today. Your money stays in the local communities to impact, to support, and to educate people all across the country about Alzheimer's, the warning signs, and how to get care and support. This is a disease that is quiet, but it's continually taking away lives of people all around us, including my great aunt, my neighbor, and a dear family friend. Again, the link is in the show notes to go and support our walk to end Alzheimer's. And if you just want more information, you can go to alz.org. And that wraps up this episode of Live It Well. I want to thank Allison so very much for joining the, the podcast, for sharing her story. Just telling one of those stories would be enough and I asked her to tell both of them, and she was more than happy to. And um, I, there's so much to unpack there. But I think the thing for me that stands out so much is that through both of both of her big events, the the, su- the suicide and the MS, is how radically happy she is. And I think that's something. I know that's something that we can all take from and learn from. And work better at incorporating that approach into our own lives. And that's why I'm so proud of what she's done. She's done with her, her business determined to shine. I mean, please go follow her online. The links are in the show notes because if, if you want to have that positivity in your life, um, 
man, go follow her. There's no question. And something that, that she said there towards the end of the interview, really two things really stand out to me. One, you have to inspire yourself. And that's so, I think sometimes even myself can just be sitting there waiting for someone else to inspire me or kick me in the butt to go do something. No, it's about you. You have to go do it. And this life is only going to be lived by you. And you have to decide how that's going to work out. And the other thing that she said was was wake up joyful. I mean, we get to go out and live this life. And some days it's hard. Um, but in choosing joy and choosing that as the approach to life through all the chaos, through all the anger, through all the shit that we have to deal with, choosing joy and, and embracing that is so, so, so powerful to liberating yourself, to making sure that you 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 are in the right frame of mind to inspire yourself. So this conversation could have definitely gone on longer. We should have had a cheese pizza, as she said, and just kind of talked and laughed and, and, and embraced all that life has. Um, so again, Allison, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, I enjoyed it. I hope you, the listener, enjoyed it. If you did, please do go leave a rating wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, um, iTunes and Apple are the same thing. Um, <laughs> Google Play, wherever you're listening, please do, do go leave a rating. I read them all. I appreciate them all, and it helps other people find this show as well. So until next time, please do live it well. <laughs>